All right, I said we're going to jump in. Let's dive right in here. 2 Corinthians 5, talking about your identity. I'm going to finish this up real quick. It's hard to get past this scripture, so pray for me. In the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before, The King James, New King James says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. Here it says, whoever you thought you were before, in Christ, say, I'm in Christ. You're a brand new person. Say, I'm a brand new person. See, and so those of you who are in Christ, how many of you have been born again? Okay, so now, once you're born again, I don't care how long you've been saved, you need to acquaint yourself with this new you. And some people have been saved for a long time and they've never got to know themselves. Because it says here, the old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are all over. See, that, that's what happens when you renew your mind. Acquaint yourself with, with the old. Amen? No, see, see, this is the reason why y'all need to listen. Don't just, see, don't just say what the preacher wants you to say. You're not going to acquaint yourself with the old. We come out of the old. You're going to acquaint yourself with the new. Well, Pastor, you tricked me. I'm trying to trick you into listening. All right? Why is this so important? It's interesting. Some people that, some things that the, that the world will spend thousands and thousands of dollars to, uh, to learn is all in God's Word. For example, there was a, an audio tape. I don't know if it's still the best-selling audio tape, but it was back in the day. There was an audio tape that was at one time the best-selling audio tape of an of, of a instructional audio tape, best-selling of all time. The name of it was The Strangest Secret by uh, Earl Nightingale. And let me just tell you what, what the whole tape was all about. You are what you think about most of the time. You are what you think about. And that's Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks. And, and he didn't even give the Bible any credit, I don't think, in that tape. And he said... It, and it's interesting, the title, he called it The Strangest Secret. It, and he says, the reason why it's strange, because not many people know about it. But you are what you think about most of the time. And that's right out of the Bible. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you know that, let me put another slant to it. It's impossible for you to think contrary to who you think you are. It's, it's impossible for you to, uh, sit there wrong. it's impossible for you to act contrary to how you think you are. Let's think about that. It's impossible for you to act contrary to how you think you are. As you think, most of the time, 
as you, the way you think most of the time is how you're going to act. Okay? So it's important for you to acquaint yourself with who you are in Christ. You have an identity in Christ. And I, I stress, I stress and stress on this, of how important that is to, to get this into your children. Because you can bark at them all day long, tell them you know better than that, and we taught you better than that, and all that kind of stuff, and they can still rebel. None of that stuff changes them. And like I, like I said, giving them, you, know, you, you, you show them that there's consequences to what they do, not that God's going to pay them for their ugly acting. No, there's just some natural consequences to behaving in a, in a certain way. But having said that, that doesn't change them. No matter how they're acting, you always want to point your children to their identity. Tell them that, they, that, that Jesus lives on the inside of you. How you're acting, that's not who you are. You are loved. You are valued. And it's important for us. I know, I know it's tough when they're acting a certain way or they're coming home at 3 o'clock in the morning or they come home drunk or, they, or, or whatever. They're talking at you a certain way that's disrespectful. Now, see, it's easy to talk about this stuff in church. But when they come home with that disrespectful attitude and all that, you still need to, I'm not just saying just accept anything that they do. No, they should have boundaries. They should, they should be told, that, okay, you, you're not, you shouldn't speak to me like that. See, this is not who you are. But you, you, see, you see how you, you point them to who they are and their identity. Because that's who they are. I mean, if they're, if they're a believer, see, they have the Holy Spirit in them teaching them. And the Holy Spirit will teach them. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So, we talked about everybody understands you're close to God now. You don't ever say, man, I, you know, I just want to be closer to God. Pastor, just pray for me. I want to. You can't get any closer to God than you are right now. I heard this, and uh, somebody was teaching this, and just it's amazing, just the simplest thing. Once you really get it, we were in a, 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 a conference here recently, and uh, it was a women's conference. Don't ask me why I was there, but uh, no, I, <laughs> but uh, we were sitting there, and uh, and and this the teacher was teaching that you're already close to God; He's in you. And this lady, she got so excited, she got up, and she said, ooh, I mean, she got excited. When you really get that, when you spend all your Christian life trying to get close to God, and you find out you're already close to God because he's in you, oh, happy day. Huh? Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. We looked at this. Um, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Man, that takes the pressure off because I don't have to try to be patient. I don't try to have to try to love nobody. I just let Jesus love people through me. So some people are impossible to love <laughs> in the natural. 
Lord, you got to help me. See, because see, it's who lives in me? Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. See, it's not about your love for God, but it's about how much he loves you. Receive the love that he has for you. He loved me and gave himself for me. See, man, we skip by certain things that are so important. Herein is love, First John. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Not about your love for God. It's about his love for you. Huh? Um, we're more than conquerors. How? Through him whom we love? No, through him who loved us. Huh? Your faith will go through the roof when you understand how much he loves you. Oh, my goodness, man. Man, I'm preaching here. I mean, I'm teaching here. I mean, I'm teaching. See, man, when, see, faith works by love. See, I used to think that was my love. But no, faith works when I understand how much he loves me. Man, let's work that word right now. Amen? Here's another. We're going we're gonna to go in the neighborhood of this verse when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm getting ready to shift. All right? Who says we got to wait till next week to start a new message? I can start a new message right in the middle of this one. We just end this one start another one. Amen? That's cool. So, you ever heard, heard uh, this verse, John 14, 15? If you love me, keep my commandments. I used to read that. Man, if you love me, if you love him, prove that you love me by keeping my commandments. That's how I used to read that. But that's not really what, what that means. In the ESV, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, how is that different? That little different twist in word means everything. See, if you love him, you're going to supernaturally obey the commandments. Not the Ten Commandments. See, but we have a commandment of this law of love. Amen? And see, and this commandment of love, we'll obey it just supernaturally. Because if we love him, we will, keep the, we will keep this law of love. huh? And once you receive God's love for you, you will love him. See, that's the first step. Receive the love that God has for you. Once you do that, you will love him. <laughs> you better preach. You love him, right? Because he's so good. It's, it's, it's just a, an overflow of how good he is to you. You're just going to automatically love him. And you're going to automatically walk in love. You're going to automatically love him because he first loves you. And then you, you're going to supernaturally do what he wants. You get up and say, Daddy, what's next? What are we going to do today? How are we going to flow today? Thank you, Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This last one, we'll just touch on this. Uh, Colossians 127. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ where? In you. Say Christ in me. Where is he? He's in you. So how are you going to get close? You're close. And you can go out looking and looking, 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 man, trying to find the Lord, man. I did. You, you, you walk by faith, not by sight. But once you understand that he's there, it changes everything. See, acquaint yourself with the new. You've got Jesus on the inside of you 24-7. So you're never without help. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> yes, sir. What you saying? Let him help you. Right. You have to let him. Let him. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant. John chapter 14. Man, that's good. If you love me, you will keep his commandment. Thank you, Lord. You just supernaturally live. And you're letting Jesus love through you. Now, we're going to get into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There are, are a lot of believers who, the only thing they know about the Holy Spirit is speaking with tongues. I believe in speaking with tongues. I received uh, speaking in tongues in Indianapolis, Indiana, in, in my apartment in 79th in Harcourt. I love there's a ministry of laying on of hands of people to receive the Holy Spirit. That's biblical. I've laid hands on many people to receive the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing to see the, the Spirit of God uh, just just overflow them and, 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 and they begin to speak with tongues. But you don't have to have hands laid on you to speak in tongues. I, I received uh, just sitting in my apartment way back in the day, Back in the 80s, uh, right around uh, well, 1981, that's a long time ago. Amen. I was five years old. <laughs> what are you laughing for? So anyway, um, I was because I was at a dinner with with some a lunch with some guys and they were started talking about speaking with tongues and I was intrigued and I said how do you speak in tongues? And one guy he said uh, his name was Roger Holloway, he said just speak. I said just speak. I thought about it and I, I went home and I was sitting on my couch. He said just speak, huh? I just opened my mouth and started speaking in tongues. See, so um, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have a whole lot of theatrics, and I know that sometimes, man, churches, they have theatrics, man. They'll jump, jump on, they'll, they'll be standing behind you and have somebody on the side, and they'll be shaking you, you know. huh? But it doesn't take all of that. Uh, the Holy Spirit, first of all, uh, if you don't speak in tongues, you still have the Holy Spirit in you if you're a believer. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't have to... Speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is a powerful gift. Uh, you should receive that gift. It's a gift from the Lord that will allow you to pray for the unknown, to build up yourself. Um, there's a lot of benefits to speaking with tongues, but this is not a message for that. Uh, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit operates in our daily life um, because 
see, a lot of people know about speaking with tongues, and that's the only thing they know about the Holy Spirit. But you need to understand about uh, how the Holy Spirit uh, works or how uh, what his ministry is in the new covenant in order for you to flow with him in your daily life. He is a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He is a person, and he lives on the inside of you. Amen. And it's a part of acquainting yourself with the new. See, when, when you are a believer, when you receive Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. That is powerful. Because that's how Christ lives in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Man, that's, that's wonderful. If you look at this uh, in the, I meant to have that quote, but I don't have it, but I'll, I'll give you the, the gist of it. But um, from the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, there's a word wealth section uh, in that Bible, and it gives some notes about this word another, another helper. Now, now Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit, and I love that word helper. Because there's a sevenfold aspect of the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. He's all of that. The, the word I like the most, though, is helper. Because that really includes everything, because anything you need, he's there to help. If you need to be strengthened, he'll strengthen you. If you need to be comforted, he'll comfort you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He's your advocate. And thank you, Lord. We've got Jesus as our advocate at the right hand of the Father. I got a word. I wrote this down. Let me see if I can tell it to you the way that I, I, I got it yesterday. You don't need to defend yourself because you have a defense attorney that never lost a case. That's hot off the press, man. I love that. Think about it. You never have to defend yourself. Anybody ever been accused? Somebody accused you of stuff and all that kind of stuff? Don't ever try to defend yourself because you have an advocate. Somebody who advocates for you. And he never lost. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He never lost. Thank you, Lord. So anyway, in the word wealth section of the Spirit-Filled Life Bible for another, it says uh, something like this, one who will do in my absence what I would do if I were personally present with you. He came to take the place of Jesus. And see, that's how Jesus lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Man, how, man, how vital is that that we get to know him? Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and he is a very, he is a, a vital part of this grace life that we live. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. See, Jesus said in another place, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. The spirit of truth. Wow. I got something else, man, from this. The spirit of truth. Now, 
in, in John chapter 1, it says, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And some people say, well, um, yeah, I, b- I believe in grace, but you need to balance grace with truth. And sometimes they refer to truth as the law. No, we're not under the law. Uh, we're, we're dead to the law, and we're married to Jesus. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But, but some people say, well, you know, you gotta, they think truth is the commandments, and the, 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 the Ten Commandments or the, the Old Covenant law, and you've got to balance that with truth or whatever they think truth is. But actually, in the Greek, where it says the law came through Moses and grace and truth. See, on one hand, you've got Moses who gave the law. He said, but grace and truth came. See, truth is on the side of grace. And when it says grace and truth came, it's interesting because the word came, grace and truth. Say grace and truth. The word that follows that is came. Grace and truth came. Everybody say came. Okay, that is a singular verb in the Greek. So grace and truth is followed by a singular verb, which means the Greek treats grace and truth as one item. So grace is the truth. Truth is on the side of grace. Okay, now watch this. The Holy Spirit is referred to, see, this is how the word, all the word fits together. It doesn't contradict itself. In Hebrews 10.29, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of grace. Here it says, He's the spirit of truth. Well, which is he? He's both. He's not saying two different things. The spirit of grace is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is the spirit of grace. Now, don't just take my word for it. Go to Hebrews 10. Not not on my time, on yours. The Holy Spirit is referred to the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of truth. So grace is the truth. And if you know grace, it'll make you free. What's grace? It's unmerited favor. You don't work for it. You don't earn the blessings of God. You just receive. Isn't that wonderful? It changes the way you look at stuff. Man, it's good to, come, it's, it's, it's good to get excited about God, and, but you've got to read the word with the right glasses on. I'll tell you about my show experience yesterday. So you can have your pop. A lot of people come to church with their, they got their popcorn ready, and they're ready to shout, and ready to dance. But uh, the, the 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 preaching is not new covenant based, so they're 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 looking at a movie with 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 uh, without their three D glasses on. Pastor, what you talking about? Well, I went to the show. And uh, they didn't give me, they didn't have no glasses. I, want, I wanted to see the Avengers. And uh, they're supposed to give me, it was IMAX 3D. I wanted, it, I wanted it all. If I want to go, I want to see it. I want to see it the best I can see it. Give me the glasses, the IMAX, everything. So you come in and they told these people in front of me and me that, well, we, don't, we ran out of glasses. Man, how are you going to run out of glasses, man? <laughs> Paid $15 for this joint. 
run out of glass. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and so they said, well, we know where you're seated because they got assigned seating. We're going to bring you the glasses. So I sat there. I went there and went to my seat, had my popcorn, my icy. I'm ready to go, man. You can't go to the movie without the popcorn, man. But you got to have more than hype, man. You got to be a, you, you, you got to have some substance. And I'm sitting there, and the main characters, you can see clearly, but the background characters, they're all fuzzy and stuff. And I'm sitting there five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, okay, 20 minutes. I was like, no. So I walk out, and I'm like, okay, like, what my glasses, lady? I thought you were going to bring me my glasses. They didn't bring you glasses? No, they didn't bring me. So she had me the glasses. And uh, I said, you know what? I just want to come back some other time. I want to see the whole movie right. Okay, I don't want to see this thing all fuzzy and stuff. So uh, praise the Lord, they gave me like three passes. So uh, I said, can I have some from my whole church? <laughs> well, they, well, they said no. So they I had to settle for the three. <laughs> but see... Before, when you don't understand grace, you're looking at the Bible, you know, in standard definition. There were things that, uh, man, I just would read but really didn't understand. But once I understood God's unconditional love and grace, how much he loved me and, and, and the fact that I'm accepted in the blood and I don't have to earn God's favor, I don't have to earn his love, I don't have to earn his acceptance, man, it's now, I can see the Bible in high definition, 3D. It's like you're you putting new lenses around it. Oh, man, I could, that's what that is. I, it, just like it fills in the gaps. And it don't take all of that. I don't have to work. Because the problem is, is when you're trying to earn your acceptance with God, and that's what a lot of preaching is, it's like you, you, you never have done enough. It's always something else you have to do. And, but the problem is you never know when you've done enough. And the preacher will always get, well, well, you need to love God more. Well, how do I do that? You're not doing enough. You're not serving enough. You're not doing this enough or that enough. And then finally you just, but oh, happy day when you just quit. Okay, I'm quit. I, I quit. I can't, I can't keep up. Jane, stop this crazy thing. You're on that religious treadmill. Anybody old enough to remember the young, young folks looking at me like I'm crazy? Well, the Jetsons, you know, they'd be on this, um, he, he was trying to walk the dog. I got to educate. I mean, I have to stop and educate y'all. When the Jetsons, you know, um, the, the guy would, would watch, what's his name? Um, huh? George, George. He'd be on there with Astro, Right? And they'd be walking the dog, but then Astro, he'd jump off the thing, and he'd be on there. And he was like, James, his wife, James, stop this crazy thing. That's how religion is. It gets you on that treadmill and just wear you out. You're not going anywhere, but you're just getting worn out. And you never know when's good enough. But when you understand, you already accept it. Thank you, Jesus. You come to the end of yourself. That was what the law was always intended to do, was to bring a person to the end of themselves and say, I can't keep it. 
The law was never intended. You know, the, the Bible tells us in the New Covenant that the law was not made for a righteous man. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. The law, under the Old Covenant, it had its purpose, was to uh, bring us to Christ. It was our, our tutor to bring us to Christ. But once we're in Christ, we're no longer under the tutor. We're dead to the law. We're married to Jesus. And if you're flirting with the law, you're cheating on Jesus. Holy Spirit, all right. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and, and will be what? In you. Thank you, Jesus. He's in you. Thank you, Lord. And see, he will be in you and with you forever. Say forever. forever. And forever is a mighty long time. Isn't that right? Uh, he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He will abide with you forever. All right, now... <clears throat> How long will he abide with you? So the Holy Spirit does not, see, here's the first thing that, that I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you. He doesn't come and go. Now that was true in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on. He didn't live in anybody. Again, he's a person. He only came upon a prophet and a priest and a king in order for them to function in their particular office or what they were assigned to do, all right? But he never lived in the believer in the old covenant. He came in and went. But see, the problem is, see, if, if you're, you're looking at the new covenant with those old covenant glasses, see, you, you look in, 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 it's fuzzy, it's standard definition. It's not, that's not the way the Holy Spirit is in the new covenant. He never leaves us. He doesn't come and go. In the old covenant, it was based on their obedience. Okay? They had, in order for the Holy Spirit to, and he never lived in them, but the Holy Spirit would not be involved in their life. The Holy Spirit would leave when they messed up, when they screwed up, when they did wrong, when they sinned. In the new covenant, it shifted. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us, which he never lived in them in the old covenant. But in the new covenant, he comes to live on the inside of you, and he never leaves you. I'm going somewhere now. And that's why, see, you have to differentiate the old covenant from the new. You're not under the new covenant. So when you read the old covenant, now I, I teach from the the Old Covenant, because see, every book of the Bible, Jesus is in there. The Scriptures is all about him. Jesus told those religious leaders one time, he said, you, you search the Scriptures in them, you think you have eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. And when he told those boys, Cle Cleophas and, his, and, and, and the other unnamed gentleman that, that, that went on that seven-mile walk, uh, the, the road to Emmaus, and he opened up the Scriptures to them, he said, he showed them, beginning from Moses and in, and in all the scriptures, 
beginning at Moses, he showed him in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is all through the, and, and they didn't have Ephesians then. He showed them himself in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. Man, wouldn't you want to be in on that conversation? Praise God. So, however, there's some prayers that people pull out of the Old Testament that don't apply to us today. Let's look at one, uh, uh, Psalm 51. Here's, here's a couple verses. They're in the Bible, but they're not, they're not for you to pray today. That was okay for, for, for David to pray this, but not for you because this is not for you. Created me a clean heart, oh God. Now, wait a minute. Acquaint yourself with the new. You don't need to pray this prayer. Created me a clean heart. Your heart is already clean. Your heart can't get any cleaner. You're a new creation in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. The blood of, oh my gosh, the blood of Jesus made you clean. That is the reason the Holy Spirit will not dwell in an unclean place. That's why he couldn't dwell in them in the, in the old covenant. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you shows you you have a clean heart because the Holy Spirit will not live in an unclean place. The blood made you clean. See, wasn't that, you don't make yourself clean. The blood made you clean. Hmm? And see, the, how you can see Jesus in the Old Covenant? When they delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt and they apply, applied the instructions that God had for them was to apply the blood to the top of the, of the door, the lintel, and to the, to the sides. It was a picture of the cross, the top and the sides, a picture of the cross. Huh? And when the death angel uh, would pass over every house, that they saw the blood applied and wouldn't, wouldn't kill the firstborn, okay? It didn't matter how they acted in the house. Got it? Didn't, it didn't matter because the death angel didn't touch him as long as the blood, when they saw the blood. It wasn't their behavior. It was the blood. And that's a picture of Jesus. It's not about your behavior. When God looks at you, he sees the blood. He sees Jesus. He sees your high priest, who is perfect. So we don't pray, create in me a clean heart, oh God, we already have one, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. No, that's an old covenant prayer. Verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. No. We don't pray that prayer because he promised us, I will be with you forever. I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? And that's why Hebrews, is, it says in, in Hebrews, I love it. He's not just with you to just be hanging out. He's there to deliver you, to be your helper, to get you through life. Amen? Because that's why I love when Hebrews follows that up, says, uh, he will never leave you or forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. 
I will not fear. What shall man do to me? Let me touch on this real, real quick so people get, get confused about this. And uh, I'm going to take a little bit more time. Praise the Lord. Some people think they're under condemnation because they think that they've committed the unpardonable sin. All right? But uh, you, how many of you, again, I'm going to take this poll, poll again. How many of you are believers? You cannot commit the unpardonable sin. Impossible. And I'm going to show you why. Matthew 12, 31. Here's where people get this from. By the way, this is this what you're about to read. Never repeated in any, any of Paul's letters. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. This, this freaks people out. I mean, this is how some people, I'm telling you. Some people thinking that they've committed, man, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I just think I can't make it back to God. But see, God never left you. Now think about what, what we've already seen in the Word of God. Not my opinion. See, stop taking preachers' opinions. Make sure you can see it in the Word of God. Amen? He said, but this is in the Bible, though. So let's explain this. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Now, that seemed pretty, pretty plain, man. And the devil uses that and convinces people that their sin, he convinces some people that whatever they've done, or you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven because the Bible says the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. What is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? A believer cannot commit that sin. The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the rejection of the wooing of the Holy Spirit for people to believe in Jesus. Our sins have already been forgiven. Having look, look at Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So if he forgave you all trespasses, how you, you, you will never be in a place where you're not forgiven because you've already been forgiven of all your trespasses. See, so the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a rejection of the wooing of the Holy Spirit to believe in Jesus. Can you woo, woo, woo? See, that's not Jeffrey Osborne. See, he didn't originate that. See, this is, this is the wooing. <laughs> Can you woo, woo, woo? See, see, you won't forget that, will you? You, you might forget everything else. Can you woo, woo, woo? 
and the Holy Spirit, he's, he's wooing people. See, you cannot come to Jesus without the Holy Spirit's wooing. There's only one sin will send you to hell is the rejection of Jesus Christ. And blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to continue to reject this wooing of the Holy Spirit. So, as a believer, you can't even commit that sin. Because you believe in Jesus, and all your sins have been washed away, once and for all, on the cross. Should be mine. That's the Holy Spirit saying you should be mine. <laughs> Amen. So you can't commit that sin once you're saved.